guys, welcome to a special preseason part two of R. Kelly. Um, this is Killinois with Bird and Cam. Bird is always with me, Cam. And like last time, we do have a special guest, Jetman, Jetman. Yeah, that's me. What's going on, guys? <laughs> yes! And I kind of feel conflicted because I, I haven't heard any R. Kelly music since the documentary. I was like, well, might as well just play Trap in the Closet. <laughs> <laughs> it gives us kind of an excuse to oh. a little bit of the music piece about, right? Oh, man. It's majestic. It's just, you know. <laughs> like, I know I know every word from that from the first part to chapter six. That's why I thought This whole Trap in the Closet album was my jam. Mm. Yeah, all I remember was... Oh, my God, a Beretta. Oh, my God, a Beretta. Oh, man. He's coming closer to the closet. I'm in the closet. <laughs> He's going to open the closet. closet. <laughs> uh, boy. So, um, guys, um, it's been two weeks. Yeah, two weeks since we did part one. Um, got a lot of good feedback for the first episode, first part. Uh, got some feedback. It was like... Huh. And what the fuck? Yes. I don't know if you, you saw know, it, Jet, but like... Yeah, did you see it, Jet? Uh-uh. I, I haven't seen any oh. comments or anything. You'll you'll have to look. It, um... You have a field day with motherfuckers. We, we attracted yeah. a lot of Trump supporters. I think there's no way to... They identify themselves as Trump supporters. So, I mean... Ooh-wee. Which is cool. You can be a Trump supporter, exactly. but um, we posted the initial feed at what? And less than eight minutes later, someone commented on it, pretending they listened to our hour and a half long conversation, which is great. I love having intelligent arguments and conversations, but listen to the podcast before you start spewing random crap that's irrelevant. Right. Exactly. If we're going to have an intelligent conversation, then you have to have your facts to be intelligent. That's mm-hmm. what you're saying. Exactly. And I think their, their whole, their whole uh, gimmick was because the um, how we frame the post, we were not comparing Jason Van Dyke and R. Kelly. It just so happened that they two had mugshots. So, hey, what better yeah. way just to splice it together? No. Right. If you guys had listened to the podcast, you would know that we talked about R. Kelly, then after R. Kelly, we talked about right. Jason Van Dyke because the sentencing happened that day. The day we had been talking about this for weeks, uh, about rec- uh, recording this, uh, the about the documentary, and it is it was breaking news, and we covered it in the archives. You can find it, and we had to like we felt compelled. It was only right that we had to cover it. So I mean, a lot of people's like, oh, you, how dare you? Uh, compare a pedophile with a man who was just doing his dip duty. I was like, bro, bro. Oh my gosh. If they read, if if you just read the freaking paragraph before the link, mm-hmm. it would have explained it. But they didn't even read it. They didn't even listen to the link. They just looked at the freaking picture. Which don't get me wrong, everyone's got their own opinions, their own facts. Don't come at us when you don't know the facts. Like I'm exactly. pretty sure they don't know. That we're two different types of co-hosts. We are from two different spectrums, and we agree on different things, but we can still sit here and have a conversation. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah like Nickelback is ass. 
No, no, I'm, 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 don't come at me like that. I'll nickel back all day. You, you know? Don't give a fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Let me guess, Bird. Um, so without further ado, before we uh delve into this, um, gotta hit the good folks with disclaimer. Well, everybody, I really, really hope you listen to this. Um, We say it every episode, right before you start listening to us, is everything that we have gathered, um, information-wise, notes, etc., we gather from, you know, news articles, internet sources, um, in this case, documentaries. So if there's anything in that nature that is incorrect, that you don't approve of, you have uh, other facts on anything, let us know. We're just here to do our job. And if you want to correct us, if you want to tell us more information, that's fucking awesome. Um, hit us up at Illinois with Bird and Cam on Facebook. That's the easiest way to get a hold of us. Um, we respond very quickly. Um, but yeah, we're just here to do our job and report what we learn, the information we have. So yeah, if any of it's incorrect or you don't approve of it or it offends you, give us a holler. We'll, we'll, we'll be sure to address it. So without further ado, uh, you guys are better than me because see my disclaimers are I'm about to say what I'm about to say. Don't <laughs> fucking at me. No, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just talking shit. Oh, y'all, y'all this is where I live. I'll wall. wait for you like, to come oh. to my door. Oh, okay. <laughs> he about that action. Okay. <laughs> so that says you ready to do the damn thing? I'm ready. Let's do it. Let's do All the damn right. thing. All right. And that said, you got to get the notes. Booyah. And again, shout out to, as Cam said, as paraphrase, shout out to Root, shout out to XXL Magazine, the documentary itself, New York Times, uh, CBS2, where we got all these sources. And we just started the last, we picked off from the fourth episode of Surviving R. Kelly. And it started with how the Pied Piper of R&B was arrested on 21 counts child pornography charges and despite those charges the singer was able to post bail shortly after and allowed to travel to perform shows and despite that sex uh, tape scandal he was still releasing music and not only was he releasing music he probably had his most commercially and critically successful uh, album uh, The Chocolate Factory uh, it featured the ignition remix. This is the remix ignition. Hot and fresh uh, out the kitchen. Fresh out the kitchen. <laughs> and stuff in the name of love, which is probably played in like every black function, which probably to this day. And, <laughs> and his wife Andrea Kelly had finally realized that her marriage to the R. Kelly wasn't going to get better, probably going to get worse. And with only 2400 in her pocket, a duffel bag, and three children, Andrea left the Florida home that they were staying in, vowing to never return to R. Kelly. And, and this is the crazy thing that, uh, and obviously I was a kid, you know, didn't know so much of the legal ramifications. But get this, he got arrested in 2002. They finally went to trial in May of 2008. So we're talking about six years. And on top of that, um, 20, what, 21 counts of child pornography? People go to wait in jail for like 20 years for 10 counts of child pornography. Mm-hmm. So just, just remember that. Right. 
And initially, Kelly's attorney actually tried to claim that the the person in the video was actually Carrie Kelly, the singer's younger brother. And according to Bruce Kelly, the singer's older brother, brother, R. Kelly's legal team offered Carrie at least a hundred thousand dollar payoff in a recording contract if Carrie would agree not to speak negatively about R. Kelly and his alleged crimes, which Carrie actually turned down. And for his part, Carrie cut off all ties with his brother and released a diss song about him. Last was it last year? You said yeah, it was last, last year. year. Oh, it's <laughs> it's pretty bad. This only song. last year though. Only last Damn, year, would... and uh, I do want to. Part of me wants to play it. I don't know if we want to get hit with an ad, but it it was so trash. the The message was great. Um. Look, he's attacking our cover, doing all these alleged vicious things, but uh, it's a reason why he was not a, a actual rapper. And probably didn't ever get a contract. Yeah, yeah. It it just like I I, I don't want to play this dude. But it's it's we'll we'll put the link there. We'll we'll put put the link link on our. We'll put exactly exactly. I was just so iffy. Like, oh, should I do it? Should I not? Um, I mean, as as a relative, you know, the one people that are or the one group of people that are supposed to forever support you is your family. Uh So. Finding out that your own brother wants to accuse you of something you never did and put you in jail? Uh, no. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm good. Bye. And one of the biggest, if not the biggest, uh, turnabouts about this trial was the the father of the alleged victim in the sex tape, who had took the stand and said that it was, an, oh, no, no, it was... Not his daughter. Oh no! Oh, I gotta prescribe. But it was Spark was brother-in-law. Took the stand, said it was not his niece on the tape. In addition, his niece and the parents also denied that she was the one in the tape, despite all these other witnesses positively identifying her. And get this, and it's kind of going a few years down the road, but her the alleged the alleged victim in the sex tape. Her father still played, and I think we talked about this in the last part, but just to bring it up again, her father still played, I think it was a drums with guitar, in his tour, after the fact, which is just fucking mind-boggling. It's it's, it's crazy. It goes back to what I know I said the last time. Again, how much money is your own kid's livelihood, like, what? That, to me, it takes... How can you defend someone who did that to your child, is my mm-hmm. question. And yeah. coming from the, the child standpoint, I can't even call her a teenager. That's still a child. Right. And, and it's one of those things, I, and, and, and my bad to cut you off, Cam, because uh, I really good. do want to hear what you say, but um, the thing about when you, when they stalled the trial for six years, by that time... She's an adult, the, the victim. So they, and I think it was it was said in a, in a documentary, it was simulated, but they stalled it to the point that, well, she won't seem as sympathetic if, you know, say she had turned about and said that, you know, she was a victim. She's an adult now. So it, I mean, for whatever reasons, what, it was the stalling tactics or the fact that the family did not 
you know, confirm that it was Shanice. It paid off because on June 14, 2008, the jury came back with a not guilty verdict. And which is unfortunate because there was 14 witnesses and I feel terrible. Cam, Cam, she's still there? Cam feels terrible. See, and this is the thing, uh, folks, there we go. Uh, and we <laughs> lost her again. See, this is the beauty of Illinois with Bird and Cam, to have these kind of technical difficulties <laughs> on the fly. So, I mean, still with Did you hear anything I said? It, it just, like, paused. And it's oh. like, here's the thing. And... <laughs> so what I meant to say, there again, was... Although, like, I find it bullshit that they made her wait, they waited that long mm -hmm. um, to gather evidence that was in front of them. Um, but the fact that the 14-year-old, the when it occurred to her, I mean, at that age, I would not find that anything acceptable and mm -hmm. probably traumatizing. Right. Um, so it just makes me wonder, does this now woman have repressed memories? Does she have um, disorders from this? Like, how did he ruin her life? Mm -hmm. You know, one thing, um, the Boondocks really uh, called this shit on the money. Like, I remember one of the first episodes of the Boondocks, and this was released in 2006. They had the trial of R. Kelly. It was an episode called the trial of R. Kelly. And it's pretty much played perfection, whether they had the victim on the episode said, oh, that wasn't me. Or whatever, whatever was that effect, and he got off. And they I mean, should have made a uh, South Park episode so it would have come true. <laughs> Go on, sorry. Oh no, no, you. <laughs> um, but back to R. Kelly's story. Uh, one year after the trial, R. Kelly called Pace, and the young girl who always greeted the singer every day outside of the courtroom and invited her to his Chicago mansion. He actually asked her to bring a bikini, and oh. guess what? At this time, she was only 16 years oh. old. Pace arrived at the mansion, where he was living at a listening party for his untitled album at his swimming pool. She was actually instructed to put on her bikini and model for him. After a while, Kelly told Pierce to remove her top, which then led Kelly to kissing her. She claimed she told him she was a virgin, to which Pace says Kelly replied, That's perfect. I have to train you and take your virginity. And according to Pace, she lost her virginity to Kelly and recalls the sexual act as nothing me memorable, which for people it should kind of be a memorable thing. It's your step into adulthood, I guess. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um yeah. But Pace actually ended up staying at R. Kelly's house for several months, and she was giving rules during her stay. She wasn't allowed to make phone calls, talk to other girls in the house, or to any of the staff. Wow. And then Pace revealed that she was often mentally and physically abused by the singer. And another form of punishment that Kelly would often use on not just Pace, but the other girls was starvation. Um, Pace Ooh. has said that the longest that she went without food was for three days. Isn't that the longest that you can go with that, or is that water? I oh. thought it was like water was like five days. I thought it was like okay. a week worth of. You know, I, I I would just think because of that. I remember that Simpsons episode when Homer had went on the fast for like like twelve days. So I'm uh -huh. thinking that has to be like the limit. 
But Homer's got a lot of fat cells in him, though. Ah, see, when you put it like that, yeah. Yeah, he's got a lot of fat cells that he can store, but I don't know if that makes a difference. So in 2009, Pace was ordered by R. Kelly to find another girl to bring to the house. And she picked Dominique Gardner, who was a friend she had communicated with on MySpace. And Gardner was soon invited to the mansion and before long was staying in Kelly's house. And Gardner's mother, Michelle Kramer, was in shock that her daughter was at Kelly's house. And she tried to bring her daughter home with help the police, but to no avail. And then Kramer then called Kelly and then told him to remember her name. And I remember that was like one of the last parting shots of that episode. It's like, you will remember me, motherfucker, or something to that effect. But like, it... That's what blows my mind. Mm-hmm. Why are these parents letting these kids underage out that late with people that old? Like, my parents well, would whoop my ass. The, she didn't yeah, know. Serious. She didn't know. Uh, uh, as we're going to talk, we're going to uh, talk about other parents who did, which we just have no, no fucking Madden awareness. Like, what the fuck? But she, as soon as she, she heard R. Kelly's name, like, she did everything she could. You know, she tried calling She was ready for war. She was ready for a war. Yeah. And in the beginning of episode five, Pace finally reached her breaking point with R. Kelly. She actually recalled a violent incident in which R. Kelly slapped and choked her until she was unconscious. Um, Pace said she couldn't take it anymore. She turned her phone off and left Kelly's mansion. This time, she left it for good. However, she was still very worried about Dominique Garner, who she brought in. The young woman... Sorry. You're good. You're good. The young woman that she actually brought into R. Kelly's house, and Pace actually prayed that Dominique would uh, get out as well. Well, what they found out was Dominique was still living with R. Kelly, who was actually dressing her up like a boy. Um, That makes me lead into, I don't know if he has bisexual fantasies or like... And because if you remember, too, the way that she was describing the two, it was like she said turned her, like, something along the lines of, like, she he turned her into, like, his perfect little boy toy yeah. or something like yeah. that. Yeah. was just eerie yeah. to me, man. Like, it's, it's just, it's, it's creepy the power that somebody can hold over you. Mm-hmm. And when you, especially being a woman myself, it's, 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 it's very scary to see that People, the way people talk. Um, I'm just going to use Ted Bundy as an example since I just watched his stuff. Absolutely. Very manipulative. Um, I see why women want to believe their knight in shining armor is right there in front of them. They want to believe that their knight in shining armor is going to change because they want to believe that's their knight in shining armor. Right. And on top of it all, to go and piggyback off what you're saying, who doesn't want to believe that their knight in shining armor is somebody to the effects of R. Kelly? At that, you know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. exactly all the weapons he needs to do what he does, and for whatever reason, people are still um, just like still. pushing that to the side as if like that's not anything. Oh, and then again, run back to the same argument. Oh, well, they made that decision to go. Yeah, and it's it's unfortunate just to see because I'm I'm a very much person that always wants to look at nature or nature versus nurture on Absolutely. how an individual is raised and. You know, it goes back to R. Kelly's childhood. Like, was is he the way he is because of his childhood? Was he always kind of kooky in the brain? Like, what was it? And then these women at such a young age to have 
such vulnerability and mm-hmm. belief in this this is male that they Absolutely. don't truly know. Yeah. Absolutely. It's crazy. It is crazy. Mm-hmm. And then in episode five, we do begin to introduce Timothy and um, John Jalen Savage, parents of Jocelyn Savage. So by we go all the way to 2017. And by this time, I guess the perception of R. Kelly is you factor in all of this stuff, like the the good and the bad. Like he, when you factor all this in to, you know, Joe Schmo, he's a legend. You know, this is R. Kelly. Yes, he, we, we, people still give him grief about, rightfully so, about all the stuff he did, you know, unsavory shit that he did, but... This, I think that was part of the, that's part of the allure, you know, that was part of the persona of R. Kelly. But, you know, it, it was as if society slowly but surely accepted him, you know, for what he is. And it was Which, just, it's cool, everybody's kind of a weirdo in a weird way, mm-hmm. but we're, we're not... Nathandral or Nathandrals anymore. Like, right. we don't need to be killing people and raping women and right. mm-hmm. being savages. We don't. Yeah, we're, that's straight up fucking barbaric mentality behavior. It's unacceptable. Right? Yeah. So, and the reason I bring up 2017, because it's in that year when Jim uh, DeRogatis who worked at the Chicago Sometimes and broke the story on the allegations wide open, he started working for BuzzFeed around that time. And he started a piece, an investigative story that exposed that R. Kelly was allegedly holding women against their will as part of a sex cult, and not only his Chicago home, but his Atlanta home. And one of the women named the report was Jocelyn, who Canvas said was uh, Jocelyn Savage. Um, her parents um, allowed Jocelyn, who's crazy, to work with R. Kelly on a professional basis. It, but she was 19 years old, though, so 19, she was technically I, I, an adult. Yeah, but I mean, you're still... Okay, you are, yes, you're exactly right. You're still an adult, but I mean, this is R. Kelly. Like, if this is your child, and you know R. Kelly, yes, R. Kelly is a big name, he is a legend, but... It's kind of like a double-edged sword, in a sense. Yeah, true, absolutely. But it, it's frustrating because by law, right. she can run away and do whatever the hell she wants because she's an adult. Yeah. Right, absolutely. And and because I see and I feel both sides of it. Because you're right. At the end of the day, that by law, there's nothing you can do. So she makes a decision. You have to live with it. But I do hear what you're saying, Bird, in that you know that that if that's my daughter, I, I, you could be twelve. Mm-hmm. What he wanted about this man, stay the fuck away from him. Period. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And I know my parents would do the same. They would you know hunt I mean? him down. Yeah. It's either it's either stay away from him or don't show up at Christmas. And not showing up to my house at Christmas is not an option for you. So, yeah. You know what I'm no. saying? There's oh. so many divorced people in my family. My grandma goes, uh-uh, there's no such thing as divorce in my family. You're still showing up. <laughs> and now we're all a big happy family. Period. <laughs> So we talk. So we go back to the savages, and they said that they felt a disconnect with their daughter after she wouldn't answer the phone calls, and then she stopped going to school. And it was later revealed that uh, a TMZ video 
after the BuzzFeed uh, story just broke out that um, it was a correspondent from TMZ had got in contact with Jocelyn and she denied that she was kidnapped or part of any kind of cult. And then the documentary goes back to Kramer, Michelle Kramer, uh, the mother of Dominique Gardner, who was watching another TMZ clip who, um, when they were talking to Jocelyn and she recognized her daughter Dominique. And right after that, and I guess the, the Surviving R. Kelly documentary uh, took some, it was years in the making, you know, to produce. So she linked up with the producers to Beverly Hills, California to try to get her and bring her back home. So this was a very, one of the most powerful uh, scenes in that documentary. And it was just, yeah, very mm-hmm. like. And to, going back to that TMZ interview, mm-hmm. you, you are not being held against a real Right. Way introverted, hiding behind people, not making eye contact. Like, those are perfect signs of abuse, Absolutely. things of that nature. Mm-hmm. Oh, boy. Oh, Cam, did we, did we lose you again? Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah I see they see a big-ass smile. And then- I think we lost you. Yeah. Jen and I were talking. <laughs> but uh, could you repeat that for the good folks? But, like, what the fuck happened? Um, my parents probably would have done the same thing Kramer has and would have flown out there to come and get me. Mm-hmm. Um, however, they probably would have been secretive about it, so they could have killed R. Kelly and got away with it. And like saved everybody. They don't need cops to find me. They can find me quicker than the cops. Okay. So, mm-hmm. um, before, with or without communication. Thing, and if there's one thing that that part, this specific part that we're talking about now, the documentary showed me, I've, all my life, I've always heard the saying, and I know we all have, there's there's no tuition like mother's intuition. Mm-hmm. God damn. Yeah. yeah. When I saw that, that, I mean, there was no really happy part about that other than the fact that she got her daughter out of there. But I, I'm saying, like, aside from, aside from that, like, man, if you can't watch that and on a whole separate conversation for a whole other day, tell me that women aren't the strongest, most oh, yeah. fucking, like, come on, man. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's, that's oh, yeah. Sorry. Right there, knowing where, we're, knowing where, we're the, the superheroes Mm-hmm. She um, said, oh, no, I know she's in there. I know she's in there. Went in there and got her baby, goddamn it. Go yeah. ahead, girl. Yeah. She worked her ass off to get her baby girl back. And Absolutely. coming from a family with both extremely strong parents, my mom is the strongest woman I've ever met. And she, I have a twin, and to this day, I tell everyone, I go, my mom could have twins with no epidural. <laughs> it was a walk in a park for her, so come at her. <laughs> That's how I approach conversations with my mom. Absolutely. So, and then she gives you the stink eye, and you're like, well, there goes my soul, and it's great. <laughs> it's great. I love she it. Just, she just will undertake on your ass. <laughs> <laughs> yes, she will. But back to the story with um, Dominique and her mother, I totally agree, because the whole process of trying to get her daughter back was a total trial and error. Mm-hmm. You know, Kramer was able to locate her daughter at a hotel, Um, in Beverly Hills, um, accompanied by a camera crew and a hotel manager, Kramer was finally able to meet her daughter and urged her to come home. All she kept saying is, I need you to come home. She kept telling her daughter that she needs her to come home, kept using her nickname, which is Nika, 
don't do this. If I came this far, Nika, don't you dare. Her mom fought her butt off to get her daughter back. And Dominique tells her mom to come back after 6 p.m. But when Kramer returned back to the hotel, the manager told her that Dominique actually called 911 and told him that she was not her mother. The manager actually informed her that if she doesn't leave the premises, she's going to be arrested. And at that point, Dominique, or not Dominique, I'm sorry, Kramer calls Dominique and, tell, and her daughter and tells her that she never called the police. So it's kind of weird because who's the one that said that she called the police? Um, but anyways, um, after this incident, Kramer and was before, actually... Before you go on real quick, how, like, how... You have a whole, like, think about this operation. Like, you were that worried about these girls not wanting to be under your power anymore that you've literally, not only do you have mm -hmm. them under lock and key, but you have some of them out in L.A., some of them God knows where in these hotels, and you have people watching, because like you just said, after Dominique called her mom and was like, yeah, that wasn't me that said that. I wasn't the one. Like, you've got people watching like a hawk for people yeah. that don't want to be with you. And that's what's crazy about women. Us being the stronger sex, we we we, we suffer in, in those hands because we become, you know, mentally drained, physically drained. And like we said in the last episode, it's an ongoing cycle of abuse where we feel that it, it's going to be different this time. It's, yeah. It will be different. Yeah. Or it's the ongoing cycle of abuse of, I will never get out of here. He will always have this grasp on me because he's scared the shit out of people, telling them that he will always find them, mm -hmm. which is another terrifying thing, Yeah, and which a lot of, of people go, go, don't go, believe go. their family is going to protect them. Yeah, and it's kind of like going back to that, again, going piggybacking off what you said. Yeah. Um, I'm reminded of one of the victims, and uh, I think it was episode two, episode three. And she was talking about how she had retrieved the sex tape because um, it was, number one, it was numerous sex tapes and a few that she was on there. And she was talking about how she was afraid that if she had, if R. Kelly had found out, you know, they were talking about killing her. So, I mean, you having those kinds of thoughts and... They've, we've already detailed the alleged abuse, abuse that's happened, you know, not only physically, not only emotionally, and it's just a overwhelming gamut of just shit upon shit upon shit piling on. So you're exactly and, right. And two, at this point, he's got the power where he's probably like, I can evade the police. I have the money. I've done it before. Try and get away from me. Yeah. Which is terrifying. It is. And, like, you can fight, you could probably fight R. Kelly, but you can't fight this whole clan by yourself. Mm-mm. It's, it's horrible. I would have fought my butt off, but I probably would have lost and gotten beaten up. And at that time, it's, R. Kelly's getting away with all this shit. What makes you think he's not going to get away with abuse that there's no actual evidence except one person being black and blue? Mm-hmm. So, um, but what we were saying back to Kramer and Dominique, um... And we found out that Dominique actually didn't call the cops. Her and her mother actually decided at that moment to hatch a plan to get Dominique back. And Kramer at that time um, snuck into the back of the hotel and waited for Dominique in, the, in, in a bathroom stall. And when Dominique entered that bathroom, you can just 
hear the urgency and see the urgency as they both escape together, um, waiting for the car outside. And what Dominique later says is, that's the hardest decision I've ever had to make. And while she was crying in her mother's arms, Kramer later was asked by a production member who was with her in the docu documenting this. And what was it like hugging her daughter again? And she said it was, she felt like she was holding a newborn baby again. Yeah, and I'm, I was like, I remember when, uh, when she first saw her daughter and saw the hotel room and like they had like I guess afterwards they had like the commotion and they were calling it's like oh that's not me and like I was like oh no I hope it doesn't end like that but then when they had that nice swerve and you know they were able to be reunited mm -hmm. like you know that was I guess it was one of an immense bright spot if any on this documentary and that you know few and far between I tell you what but then. We uh, talk about um, Kitty Jones, a former radio... Wait, before you get on Kitty Jones, though. Oh, okay, go ahead, Ken. Sorry, guys, sorry, guys. Before Kitty Jones, um, I just want to let anybody that's still in this crazy cycle of abuse know that it is possible to get out of there. Don't think yeah. you're less than that. Your family will fight for you. Don't think that they won't because they are always there for you. I always say blood is always thicker than water, and this is a prime example of a mother going to ends to make sure that her baby's safe. Yeah. yeah. Are you going to say something, Jack? Oh, I was just going to say, I've been waiting for you to get to the Kitty Jones part. Cause oh, that, yeah. For whatever reason, that really threw me. I, <laughs> I, you know, I use a lot of these uh, superlatives, flabbergasted, just befuddled, and... I don't know. Can I tell you my favorite word? Yeah. My favorite word is indubitably. <laughs> and I love shortening it to indubie. <laughs> Lay off indubie. Uh, <laughs> and, 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 and my, I guess my catchphrase on this show, a slippery slope, if you will. Um, but this, I, I don't think this has any fucking justification. We're already, we're already just destroying this. And we haven't even got to it. So we, we meet Kitty Jones and she's a, Get this, guys. A former radio DJ from Dallas, Texas. So I'm assuming in radio you have to have some kind of knowledge of the music industry, right? And she started. Absolutely. I can tell you that. And that's number one. And number two, she started dating R. Kelly when she was 33 years old. That's like 30 years his favorite age. But the thing is, I think what they were what they were trying to illustrate is, okay, you know, we have the narrative of, okay, R. Kelly is abusing all of these younger women, but we're also showing that, okay, R. Kelly is also abusing, you know, women of all ages. We, okay, we get that, you know, and no matter what age, no matter what gender, it's repulsive. No justification whatsoever. But then she, uh, during a courtship, Jones' girlfriend asked her if she ever saw R. Kelly's infamous sex tape, and she said no. She said no. She How said no. Not How no. Was she living under not a rock? Not only did she say no, she was pissed off that she would even ask her about that. You know that I think her words were like, I told her, like, you know how uh, what this guy means to me, and, and you know everything that he's been through. Why would you say that to me? And That's then, like saying that to any part. serial killer that's yeah. got a wife. Right. 
He's been through a lot. So did all those children you killed. So did all those women you abused, R. Kelly. Mm-hmm. And I just like, how were you were you living under a rock? Like, can See, you what... seriously, like, I, I just, and you didn't have to be uh, someone in the know about R. Kelly to know, okay, he's got this cloud of suspicion. Like, this was fucking house. This was this was national. This was fucking worldwide news. But if you think about it, though. If, if you didn't industry. know about it, you wouldn't be getting angry at someone else for bringing it up. You're right. in the music well, industry. I think, and I think she knew about it. She just had never physically watched it. But that would say more to me about you and how you truly feel about this man. Because mm-hmm. if you then, if that's if, if we use scenario B where you knew about it, you just never watched it, then that means you're one of those people that you tried to get that shit out of your mind as ter- in terms of, all oh, this could be true. Which she kind of eluded to, but like she would basically say like I would get to the point where whenever I would come do an interview with him or whatever, I would have to drop all my personal feelings out the door. Maybe that was somebody else that I, that I might be thinking of. Yeah. And what like, what's know. unfortunate though is let's be honest, your personal feelings don't don't get dropped because interviews are very personal interviews, especially yeah. ones like that. Your feelings didn't get dropped. You're just trying to make a reason to why you don't look like a bad person that you fell for Art Kelly's trap. Mm-hmm. That you were manipulated. Yeah. Now, now to Kitty Jones's credit, you know, she goes on to watch the, the sex tape. And she is just repulsed. So much that she actually confronted Kelly. I mean, she really goes to the lion's den and just fucking, you know, steps to him about this. And Jones had said in a documentary that Kelly flew into such a rage that he severely beat her. And she would describe these other incidents where he would physically abuse her or, as Kelly would call it, training. And, Uh I mean, this happened for two years. Two years. Mm -hmm. And she said the final straw had happened in 2013 after Kelly physically abused her for the last time, and afterwards, she had asked him for a round-trip ticket to see her son, who was entering high school at that time, and she never got on the return flight. Smart girl. Smart lady. Mm-hmm. In the documentary, he also uh, featured, excuse me, featured um, Azrael Clary. She was a budding singer who met R. Kelly at the age of 17. She actually convinced her parents, Alice and Angelo, to allow R. Kelly to mentor her under the supervision of her sister. Uh, I'm not going to even say. Well, how do you say what? her name? Uh, oh, the Isis? Shit. Isis. I, know. I don't want to say it wrong. I just. Uh, A. Isis? Whatever her name is. Yeah. yeah. But, but, but uh, problem number one right there, if, if it's the parents, because first of all, you let a 17 year old convince you. To do something. I'm not letting a 17 year old to convince me to take the trash out on trash day, goddammit. <laughs> that Listen is your job. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Listen to yeah. me. And you're, you can let a 17 year old convince you to do something, and then you let her to let her convince you to do it under the supervision of somebody else that is not you. That is my, maybe I'm just different and I'm mm-hmm. wired different, but as a parent, hell no. 
And especially too, and I understand the whole, you know, being on your own, being independent, but 17 still under the age of legal, being yeah, legal. No, so yeah, I, don't, I don't give a fuck about that consent shit or none of that. No, no. No, nope, my parents would be the same way. My, my, what my mom used to say, you living in my house, eating my food, not putting no money on no bills. <laughs> yeah, all right. Yeah, all right. My parents pulled the whole, we didn't raise you to be stupid. Stop acting like it. Dude, like, I couldn't. I, I remember I was I was 19. I was in college. And this is when I was still going to school in Chicago. And I was with my best friend. And I had to call, I called my house. I was like, hey, can I spend the night? No, no, you can't. I was like, bro, but I'm 19. My, bro, my house rules. I was like, come on. So, I mean, yeah, it, it's right. just one of those things is that to this day, when, you know, and it's somebody who has two college degrees and, you know, I'm still, you know, moved back uh, home um, last year. And to this day, whenever I'm doing something, even with his work, I'm, I always give him a heads up. And it's always in the back of my mind. It's like, well, uh, are they going to say no? Even though I know they're not going to say no. It's just to this day, it's hard for me to have a boy sleep in my parents, in my bedroom at my parents' house because that was off limits. I'm like, you got to have the door open. We shouldn't be in the same room. But for some reason, my parents are allowing it. Like, XO, no. Like, not happening. No boys in your room. You got a basement for that. Like, Like you said, Bird, a few years back when I was living with my mom, same thing. It was coming and going. It was just like, hey, I'm about to run to go do such and such. Oh, such and such is picking me up. I'm about to go. Or she would ask me what I'm going. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Telling her, like, it's not even, like, it's not, because it's just a respect factor. Mm -hmm. Exactly. It's just a respect factor. But, uh, before I digress too much, I just want to say, though, like, back to what you were saying, though, 17-year-old convincing somebody else other than mom and dad to chaperone this mentoring, mm-hmm. I'm just not allowing that. Yeah. She convinced mom and dad, which is crazy. I don't care if you're the president of the freaking United States, you're not taking my daughter from mm-hmm. me. And that's the thing, and we can armchair quarterback, me and Cam, because we don't have kids, thank God, but Jet ass. <laughs> Hey, dad, I mean, that has just got to be just some kind of anxiety on some yeah. next level shit. You know what's crazy, man, is like all the things that I see people go through, like their first when they have a kid, like I always look at that and, and not that I try to say, no, that's not going to happen to me. I always try to look at it like, oh, okay, let me try to see this and learn from it and see how I can prevent it in a way, right? Mm-hmm. No, there's no getting away from it. I say all that to say, I used to see people, uh, the first night you drop your daughter off somewhere overnight or whatever, oh, it's going to be hard. I'm going through it, long nights, waking up early mornings, tired as hell, fiance tired as hell. And I'm like, man, the first chance we get to drop my little girl off, yeah, I leave. Like, I love my baby guy, but man, the first chance I get, I'm good. Till that <laughs> night came, until that night came, the first hour was the easiest part. After that, it was just complete. Hey, did your dad text you yet? Did he call you? How's she doing? She send you any pictures? And what's, what's going on? How's she like? Because I'm, I'm trying not to text and be the over so, like, but I'm, I'm annoying my, my, my wife now at this point, fiance, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's just, it, 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 it is a different kind of anxiety, bro. I it's a whole different it. type of ball field. I can't even describe it, bro, and I can't, and that's why this whole thing was so hard for me. And 
I, I know, um, you know, I mean, Cam, we've only been Facebook friends as of recently, but Bird, you know, looking over the past, since this shit has happened, I've been getting into it with tons of people on Facebook. Right. But I'm just looking at this shit through a different lens. You know, I'm sitting here with, uh, with, with, with my partner right now, actually my buddy and partner in the DJ, uh, Lonnie, um, and he can vouch because, you know, he was in a situation recently where, you know, he had a little girl that he looks at as his own. You know what I mean? You you just uh-huh. look at this shit through a whole nother lens and you just imagine that going on with that little girl. And and for mine, like I I don't I'm just there's the way some of these parents are allowing it to go down, it's just a he must be showing them a parent, though, like, the number that they that they they haven't seen before, man. Those, mm-hmm. those zeros had to be mm-hmm. infinite. Yeah, and I've heard like my my sister just had a baby, and everything changes. Everything about your world changes and becomes oh, theirs. And absolutely. the fact that parents allow these children to go underage out into the wild like that—yeah—it just blows my mind to the concept. I know. My whole life I've learned that everything's going to change when you have a kid. Your whole mindset, your whole concept on everything. You want to be the perfect parent. You want to be the perfect mother. You want to do everything to make this child's life perfect. So why in the hell are you trying to act like they're bestie when you're not? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, absolutely. What was that all saying? Absolutely. Uh, uh, if, if Lonnie May, he actually wanted to say something. What's going on, guys? How y'all doing? <laughs> uh, so... Just kind of adding on to what Jed is saying, it kind of to what you were saying as well. Uh, I I am no, I am not a parent, but one thing that I feel like is that's also on the uh, the upbringing of those parents as well. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Because, like I said, I, I'm not a parent, but me right now, like this, the whole art, this whole situation, like I'm sick to my stomach. And like Jed was saying, I was recently in a relationship where you know I was helping and raise a little girl as well and like even me then being in her life for the you know few years i was like my whole mindset and like on just on people change like are are you looking at her a certain way like are, are you know what i'm saying like little yeah. stuff mm-hmm. like that and it's like as a like as i mean i feel like this is a, a genuine human like that's just you know, is wrong. Like, I don't understand how, you know, like, so even going on to those parents who allow those kids to do that, like, yeah, how were you guys brought up? Like, mm-hmm. you got to take that into consideration, too. Absolutely. That's all I wanted to say. Yeah, yeah. no, I totally that's agree. That's a great point. I never even thought of that. It, it, it's, a, it's a cycle that has to be broken somewhere mentally. Exactly. And that it relates back to how... Oh, I'm sorry. It just relates to back to, I'm not saying this is right by any means for R. Kelly, but the way he was raised, um, the way a lot of people in the entertainment industry were raised, oh, Michael boy. Jackson, um, Drew Barrymore. Corey it's just, Feldman. Yeah, the whole thing is they, it's almost like these children aren't children anymore when they go into this entertainment industry or or experience these things. And people forget that Children's worlds changed like that. And it just drives me crazy. It drives me crazy for people to think the next, our future is irrelevant. Yeah. Absolutely. And, uh, yeah. It's, it's, oh, back uh, to add on to what they were saying real quick, though, about how the parents were raised. Um, I think broken is the exact word to be used. 
just in the sense of, you know, like Lonnie said, if, if, if you were brought up in such a way that you were able to let this man break you mentally, whether mm-hmm. it be with money or what have you, and you allow your daughter to now be put in a situation where not only is she broken mentally, but physically, their appearances are being altered, all at, all at the hands and, and minds of this one individual. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that just, for me, is just disgusting. It, it's just it's crazy the power one individual can have to mm-hmm. so many people. And this goes across all spectrums, you know. The fact that one person can manipulate manipulate and change people's minds and get away with doing things they do is just beyond me. Yeah. And this is one of those things that especially when you have the element of the power of celebrity. Um, I was just, I uh, was just reading the, um, the stuff about, uh, Kevin Spacey, details of Kevin Spacey's trial and the affidavit that the victim had said is that he was just so wound up that he's in the presence of somebody like Kevin Spacey and he felt intimidated, you know, when he, when Kevin Spacey, for lack of a better term, sexually assaulted him. In public, in public, not nonetheless, and it's just one of those things. Like, well, wow, it's like frozen. It's like, what if I say no? What if I resist? You know, he's much more powerful than me. You know, unless he might, you know, have me eliminated. He might have me, you know, ostracized. Something might happen to me, and it's always that fear. So it's one of those I have to 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 get along, to go along. It's probably botched that, but like, it's very, you know, it's very troublesome. Just to, and we much... can relate to that one um, doctor that abused all those gymnasts. Yeah. The parents had no idea. And the worst part is you're supposed to feel safe there. Mm. And in that in that whole court appearance, a dad went over that fucking stage to kick that at the oh, doctor's yeah. ass. And he didn't get in trouble whatsoever. But you could tell he was angry with himself that he couldn't save his daughter. He couldn't stop what this monster did. Mm-hmm. And the next best thing to do is just to off him. And unfortunately he was in the justice system and couldn't do that. Right. But. And it's one thing where, you know, they are under the pretense of this doctor who is supposed to help him. It's one thing when you have that, uh, environment. And there's another thing where this is R Kelly. And, uh, one of the parents had said, well, Yes, but he was proven and he was proven in the uh, court uh, innocent, and we didn't think that the video was him. It's just like, how can you know, he not think it was him? His <laughs> brothers don't look like him. <laughs> That's just kind but of I a little na- I don't know if it's naive or just whatever, but like, it's like tweeting something and saying you didn't tweet it. Mm-hmm. No tweet. No tweet and delete. I didn't do that. That wasn't me, but it's under your name. No, nope, that wasn't me. There's no proof. It was actually me writing it. Yeah. It drives me crazy. Yeah. Drives me freaking crazy. Um, but back to our R. Kelly story. <laughs> um, with Azrael or yeah, Azrael and Iasis. Yeah, we go. We just say Iasis. We just call it. I'm the sorry if your name's wrong. Um, but anyways, back to where we were heading. Um. Azrael was actually able to go hang out with R. Kelly with the supervision of her sister. 
In months after assisting um, Azrael with Kelly, uh, Isis called her parents and Alice and Angelo, and she decided to tell them that she was unable to find her sister. She also detailed some of the horrific things she witnessed in the singer's studio. Why did it take her so long to contact her parents? I don't know. Um, but according to Isis, she saw what appeared to be buckets in the corner of every room in which the girls were using it for a bathroom. Why would you go from being able to use your own bathroom to going to a room where you have to literally pee in a corner? That SCU episode is going to be wild. Ezreal actually stopped calling her parents and actually started living in Chicago with R. Kelly. And as Alice explains emotionally, she fell in love with someone that is a predator, and it's heartbreaking. Yeah. But is it you let her da- your daughter go do this willingly? I, I, I mean, just to, to put you know their other daughter in such a you know compromising situation under the supervision, like this is whatever you, you know, like. This is R. Kelly we're talking about. I mean, that is just very, in my in my point of view, that's just very, I want to say lazy. Yeah, it is lazy. I mean, when you're dealing with someone, even though, even though she's almost of age, she's not even, she's 17. In Illinois, though, I think 17 is considered consent, Yeah, and we talked about this last episode, but I've always came with the belief that, look, it's 18. In my eyes, yeah, it might yeah. be, say, 17, but... 18. You can finally vote. And, you can and at 18, like, I still don't feel like a full adult. I'm no. 26 now, and I'm like, why did people say we were adults at 18? Mm, no. And it's just like, if they could have had the best, if they could have had like the mindset of uh, Michelle Kramer, like, even though her mm-hmm. daughter was the same age, she was not having that shit. Like, no. Not today. She knew no. better. And they're like, oh, oh, he, he is R. Kelly. He might make her a star. Like, what the fuck? It's much more things bigger than just fame, okay? Mm-hmm. Much more. So, Israel's parents smartened up, and they teamed up with the Savages, whose daughter, Jocelyn, was, of course, was allegedly living with R. Kelly. And they called the police, and they conducted wellness checks at uh, Kelly's homes in Atlanta and Chicago. And following the wellness checks, police told... Uh, families that they contacted daughters and they both told them that they were not in danger but get this um and it was alleged in the documentary that at least some members in the chicago police department called kelly with a give him a heads up like hey you know they're gonna it's gonna be a uh, wellness check so whatever you got going on try to you know clean that shit and you know make sure everything is on the up and up so i mean like you said earlier cam when you have like you know, this 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 power. And he's like, well, you know, I got away with this once. I have, you know, tools at my disposal where, you know, I got friends in the police department and I got these things where I can get away with this shit. Yeah. It's, it's frustrating. Yeah. It's very frustrating to see how particular the justice system is and how much... People can cheat the system. If you have money, what what what's the law when you have money? Mm-hmm. What's the law when you're famous? It should be that that's why the law doesn't work because we don't use it the same way for everybody. Mm-hmm. 
And again, and it's, it's yeah. frustrating. It's very yeah. frustrating. And again, I just can't wait to this, how they're going to do this SBU episode. I, I just can't wait to how the hell they going to pull this I one hope off. I hope we people actually listen to it and you know state their opinions because you know again people are always going to look at their idol or somebody who's in the spotlight who only gets shown and especially at this time too this was way before social media this is way before recording every second of your life so why not think you have a chance of being a superstar when a superstar is talking to you? Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's all you need. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That's all you're looking for. Yeah. And it's just, and it's back to just watching it and watching other, other abuse, uh, like relationship tapes. It's just, you can see how manipulative the abuser is and how much they can make you believe that, your world should be about them. Yeah. Right on right now. So we meet Asante McGee, who said that beforehand she was a self-described R. Kelly superfan, and she started dating him in 2014. And she would travel back and forth from Atlanta, where she was originally from, to Chicago, and vice versa for him. And one day... Uh, R. Kelly's assistant told her that she needed to pack a suitcase because she was going to stay at the singer's newly bought home in Atlanta. And she, along with other girls, were moved in to um, New Mansion in Johns Creek. I think it was a suburb or a neighborhood in Atlanta. Whatever the fuck. ATL, what up? Um, McGee said that she suffered physical and mental abuse from the singer. And she reached her breaking point uh, when Kelly locked her in a room and let her starve. And after that, she packed her bags and left Atlanta Math for good. And then, if that wasn't bad enough, we get yet another victim in Faith Rogers, who started dating R. Kelly in March tw- two th- 2017, which is not even a year ago. Years oh, yeah, yeah two years ago. Yep, 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 my bad. So. Yeah, it's 2019 now. Yeah, I never was. I never was good in math, anyhow, so. In March uh, 2017, um, Faith Rogers was 19 years old at this time, and she said sex with R. Kelly was consensual, but something she felt she had to do because it was R. Kelly. And I think that's a pretty powerful statement because he's a celebrity, and I could tell you a hundred different celebrities women brag about sleeping with because, well, they're a celebrity. Why not? That makes you feel like you have this power when you don't. Mm-hmm. And um, but back to what she was saying is, she was pretty much transfixed at this length and intimidated by their reach and power. That perhaps, oh wait, I think I read the wrong line. Oh, okay, yeah. So back to um, the whole her being consensual and saying that she was um, doing this because it's R. Kelly is back to what we were just saying about their celebrity. So you have this idea that. They have this power and that they're high on this higher pedestal. Mm -hmm. And in December, 2017, Rogers recalled having a conversation with Kelly in a hotel where they talked about, um, all his girls. And the singer then escorted her to another room and introduced her to Jocelyn. Rogers then describes her almost as a robot and was really, really clingy to R. Kelly. And, 
Oh, I'm not going to be able to say this girl's name, but the documentary also featured... Aronike Adelier. Thank you. Of the Mute R. Kelly movement. And this was, I thought this was an extremely powerful movement and um, speech that she talked about. Um, And this was just simply to start boycotting Kelly's music. And this group first came in about a few years ago when they would protest R. Kelly's concerts. And through time, they actually picked up a lot of steam. And it's to this point that Time's Up movement, um, they actually got Spotify to remove uh, Kelly's music from their playlist. So that's a, that's a pretty big step. Um, so in other words, a Spotify-sponsored playlist, let's say 1990s and 2000s R&B, you'd have a better chance of wearing a Kaepernick jersey at a clan, a KKK clan, um, rather than finding an R. Kelly song in a playlist, which is an equally powerful statement because, yeah. well, yeah. <laughs> so, Rogers finally left Kells in 2018. I said Kells, like I know the motherfucker. Uh, You're loving him. You're loving on him. No, no. <laughs> I got to take that perception because perception will be reality. That's, like, that's, wow, that's, that's all right, bro. You get a pass. That's, your, that's that Chicago in you. Yeah, yep, exactly. That's <laughs> You still got to rep Chicago, though. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> Fuck you, Kells, but yeah, Chicago. <laughs> uh, Kells, okay, okay, that's 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 a second strike. So, uh, <laughs> Rogers finally left R. Kelly in 2018, uh, stating that she did not want to deal with the singer or any of the group of girls, and she reached out to the savages to inform them of Jocelyn's well-being. And uh, Jocelyn's father had told Rogers to check herself from STDs because he knew her daughter had contracted an STD from Kelly. And Rogers got tested and discovered that she contracted the herpaderp. Which is unfortunate because I'm pretty sure that's illegal to go around spreading the herpaderp without telling people you have the herpaderp. Because yeah. um, I'm pretty sure that's illegal because that is a, um, a medical issue that you don't tell people about and that you give others. It's kind of like... Yeah, I just, I don't want to go into the detail about the herpeter. <laughs> just, R. Kelly should also go to jail for not telling people about that. You know, I concur. And, and, and like I said, we don't want to, you know, open up Pandora's box on that end. But um, in May 2018, Rogers sued R. Kelly for sexual assault and transmitting an STD. And the singer, for his part, has denied her claims through his attorney. And... Since the Mute R. Kelly movement, uh, music artists and celebrities have spoken out against R. Kelly and joined the alliance to boycott the singer's music. Um, one of the uh, prime examples was uh, John Legend, who was... Yes, I love John Legend. They, got, you have the factor when they reached out to Jay-Z, they reached out to Lady Gaga, who we'll talk about in a few minutes they reached out to all of these people and they all turned it down for whatever reason but john legend did not and he said no i'm not going to support a pedophile and i mean john legend given his stroke and given you know his influence for him to you know use that platform you know that was you know very 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 you know commendable so glad he showed up at first i was confused because i was like why does our or r kelly why did john legend keep you know showing up i was like how does he have a relation to r kelly but 
after going into detail with those notes, I'm so glad John Legend showed up because what I find really weird about all this controversy is we have yet to hear a, a statement from R. Kelly. We have yet to hear him actually say something, and I'm convinced his attorney is secretly OJ's OG attorney who never died. Uh, Johnny Cochran. Yeah. Nope. I'm a con- I'm convinced that's it's that's his attorney, and he's getting away with everything. Z- Zombie Johnny Cochran. <laughs> yes. <laughs> he's there protecting R. Kelly, and I'm not okay with it. Uh. Well, the it was um he had did one uh he had did like a a Instagram post and a Twitter he because he had of course when he knew that this documentary was coming out. He figured, okay, since of the trial, let me just get an album, just make everybody forget this creative diversion, and you know, <laughs> credit to a lot of people, and they jumped on that shit. And like, I um, I had uh, I commented on a tweet with a, a GIF for a Special Victims Unit, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. And, and and I thought, oh man, because I heard that you know he was uh he was blocking people left and right, but um. No, as of this writing, uh, I did not get blocked by R. Kelly. So, um, for whatever that's worth. But, yeah, he still has not uh, posted anything. But I think we talked about this in the last um, episode. I just, you know, just rehashed it again. Um, his birthday had came up. And there's a club not even a half a mile where I live. Where I physically live. And R. Kelly had his birthday party at that club. And they're like, he's doing uh, he, this is his whole gimmick, and he's singing Bump and Grind, and, you know, he's just basking it in. And get this, guys. They had to turn away, I think, about three to 500 people from the club. And this is in December. This is in January in Chicago. So, I mean, it's just, again, wow. for whatever reason, you have just this. It's like a cult of personality. With all the bad stuff, it's just like, it's something that a lot of people just find attractive. And it's just like what you talked about, Cam, with like Ted Bundy. And, and, and he must be some type of charismatic kind of fucker that exactly. we haven't seen since Hitler's been around, apparently, because nobody's well, believing him. I wouldn't compare R. Kelly to... Adolf Hitler, but I mean, I, ex- I get exactly where you're coming from in the sense of that you, you get, it's something that you, something charismatic and charming is that you can just sway people, and there's just a lot of you know just evil energy. Just, and it doesn't matter what he does. No, people aren't looking the other way. People are looking the other way. Like it's, it's as no if it's deal. a Teflon. It's like, oh no, it's not really happening because like. We're not there, but like, you know, mm-hmm. it's fine. It's cool. It's okay. It's fine. No, it's not. It's not okay. Like, and what are you going to believe? What your eyes show you or what I'm saying? And they're going to believe what he's saying. Like, And I don't, right. he could literally hold someone hostage and be like, I'm not doing that. It's all over, all over social media. Be like, no, I'm not. What are you talking about? And we're like, oh, okay. Crazy. okay. And I never really thought about it until Bird just said it. Like, that's a great point. Like, that's how this whole thing is right now. Are you going to believe what your eyes saw? Are you going to believe what, what 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 someone's telling you? Well, people are clearly believing what someone's telling them. Cause Versus what they saw. Because I saw some pretty horrific shit that I... Yeah, I, I mean, 
I just, oh, it makes me so. I remember when MTV was cool, like the music videos and like the stories behind MTV, and they released like a documentary of back when R. Kelly did the whole peen on the chick, and then I knew that it was screwed up. I was like, I don't care who that do- that person is. This is a real life thing going on. Why is that acceptable? Right. Why do you want a golden shower? Yeah. But um, back to R. Kelly. So. Like we were saying, so what what has happened since this documentary with R. Kelly? You know, we haven't really heard too much. Um, but I guess after the first night of the documentary being aired, Kelly enjoyed a streaming increase of 116%. And then the days after it being aired, according to an article by Uproxx, um, Aaron Williams. But then... Things started to change. As related in the same article, two radio stations in Dallas were the first to announce they no longer play R. Kelly's hit, while stations in Atlanta, in Atlanta and other major markets actually followed. Mm-hmm. And before before you and, before you go on further, oh. um, I'm glad to cut you off, but um, I, I I got a kick out when you said one of those. I hope what if one of those radio stations in Dallas happened to be where uh, that DJ uh, had worked. Oh. Really? Well, I'm just saying, I'm just wondering, what up? (laughs) That would make sense. That would make a lot of sense. I didn't even think about that. And then, too, Atlanta is one of his hot spots, which is is awesome that one of the radio stations aren't playing his hits, because I really hope there's more investigation in his Atlanta mansion and around Mm -hmm. the areas there. And what's kind of terrifying, though, is this kind of reminds me of the whole... Um, sex trafficking that we have going on in the U.S. right now that people, are, women are being picked up left and right and yeah. disappearing like like it's no big deal and like in the era we are in right now, that's terrifying. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I we'll ne- never see them again. Yeah, I never forget we had a um, we had an Etche event uh, God, whatever class it was and they were talking about it was a seminar talking about sexual trafficking in Illinois and they were talking about how, like, the biggest uptick is when, you know, when people, when, when the state is in session, when legislative is, uh, session start, and that's when there's the biggest increase, so it's just really, it's really, the this, this crazy thing, it's like, it's really under our nose, but it's happening, and it's happening in, like, it's, it's, alarming it's rates. Us. Yeah. And it, it relates just, it just reminds me of all the actual historic events that have happened in this world that like Mm -hmm. we have so many blazing fires that are in front of us and we're just looking the other way and i don't know i don't know why i don't know why Mm -hmm. and and again like you're saying it's the whole what we're seeing versus what they're saying like i'm sorry but if i see someone do something wrong like i'm not gonna not believe what you have to say i just watched you do it right but then they have this whole research on like it's very easy to manipulate someone into thinking they saw something or thinking they didn't and that just the whole brain of the human mm-hmm. so confusing so very confusing right but i mean um it when we talk about you know the the, the radio stations not playing it um that is like something big in a way because you know, Kells is a made man in the industry, so he really doesn't need the support of radio to boost 
his profile in a way like, okay. Not anymore. Yeah, not anymore like, you know, Future needs it or G Herbo does when they promote new music. But symbolic, oh boy, symbolically, did I say it right? Yes, symbolically. There we go. It bodes well because you have a powerful entity in radio saying, in essence, by playing his music, we're supporting this man. And even more accurately, we are overlooking what this man allegedly did. And I know you talked about a few minutes ago, you talked about, you know, the hope that they, you know, the, the authorities in Atlanta, you know, look into that mansion. Well, the Fulton County District Attorney's Office in Georgia, where Kelly currently resides part-time and is accused of keeping women in a sex cult, opened an official criminal investigations into the singer's activities not long after the documentary ended. And while police had made informal wellness checks, on one of the women, after her parents accused Kelly of holding her against her will, four progress on this investigation stalled out because the women under his alleged control were of all consenting age. And another informal investigation was launched in Illinois' Cook County, Cook County, where Kelly spends his time <laughs> as a resident of Chicago. And Kim Fox, the Cook County State's Attorney, had urged any victims to come forward, noting that her office was contacted by two families since the documentary aired. And the police also investigated his music studio and issued Kelly a citation for illegally using the building as a residence. Mind you, they gave him, what, seven hours to clean everything? Probably gave him a heads up, yeah. I mean... Let me tell you, I can clean my entire apartment head to toe probably in six hours. So mm-hmm. I just want to let you guys know. <laughs> and um, back to the celebrities um, that we try to get to talk about R. Kelly. Lady Gaga was actually criticized for working with R. Kelly on a song, Do What You Want, in 2013. And it reversed course after surviving R. Kelly. Um, she actually apologized for the prior collaboration. And she actually had the song pulled from streaming services. That said, she was invited to speak on the documentary, but she turned down the request. Um, and I have mad respect for Lady Gaga, especially because what she's doing again for the women community. And mm-hmm. um, But if you're going to openly, publicly announce that you're, you apologize for you know, working with him and you pull his streams, then you clearly believe that he is this crazy individual. So why don't you want to talk about it? I mean, you've already written about it. Mm-hmm. So that's just what kind of blows my mind. Um, yeah. But other artists, including Celine Dion, Ch- no, not Chance the Rapper. Chano. Um, Chano, yeah. I love Chance so much. <sighs> He but had said something, my bad to cut you off, but he had said something, um, oh, and he got in a lot of, lot of trouble, and he was pretty much insinuating, because they had a archived, um, they had an archived interview, this was in the last part of the documentary, and I'm gonna try to, you know, bring it up, because we didn't have it in the notes, but he had said to the fact that, you know, he really didn't put that much credence into the uh, to the allegations of R. Kelly because he persinuated that, you know, black women didn't matter as much. And I mean, it 
it, it it was something that affected. I'm trying to you know find that uh find that exact quote because I don't want to you know ascribe uh, wrong shit. But like it it uh-huh. it did not bode well for him. It did not bode well for him. Because it's just it's just frustrating because being a woman, my whole concept is I don't care what color you are. I don't care what you look like. Women power is women power. Women need to unite together mm-hmm. across the board because that's the only way we're going to ever get anything addressed or taken care of. So it frustrates me that he said that because I I feel this is just me personally. All women, oh, maybe it's because I'm a woman too. I mm-hmm. think women are the most important, you know, humans. But again, that's just me because I am a woman. So right. Yeah, and this is the quote that he said, um, we're programmed to really be hypersensitive to black male oppression. It's just prevalent in all media, but black women are, you know, exponentially a higher oppressed and violated group of people, like just in comparison to the whole world. And maybe I didn't care because I didn't value the accuser stories or because they were black women. So, I mean, that's a loaded quote. That's that's a pretty... um specific quote Mm -hmm. and i I see what he's trying to get at um especially now with the um issues we're having with you know cops and different especially with the comments we had it's just instead of bringing the race races together we're we're separating them more Mm -hmm. and i'm not going to go into detail on why we're separating more but we Mm -hmm. can't do that because it's going to destroy our country Mm-hmm. And, and it's one of those things that one of the, a lot I saw a lot of uh, a lot of feedback. Um, not only just our posts, but just all along when this when the R. Kelly documentary was popping out. It was one of those things is that I want to say it was a justification, but you know people were like, well, Bill Cosby. The only reason that uh, R. Kelly got away with all this stuff is because this was all black women. Now let uh, let Bill Cosby. We was raping all these black, and I'm, I forgot who I read this from. Like now, Bill Cosby had raped all these. It was nothing but black women. He still have a Cosby show on NBC. Nah, he did. Nah. He did have a um at the time that uh the Cosby yeah, that uh, those allegations really broke out to the mainstream. He was in the process of getting another Cosby show that was scheduled to air in 2015. So that's just. You know. Wait, wait, wait. Okay, so speaking of Bill Cosby, I know he's a piece of shit and everything, but apparently he's acting like Bill Cosby. Yeah, from I saw what you sent me on IG. I was like, oh boy, he's got, <laughs> he's got to feel. Hey, you got to feel that time in prison. He's got to. <laughs> I mean, it's a terrible situation, but I laughed out loud. Well, I mean, as well as he probably liked that. He's he's got to be H and I C, and he's like, what does that mean? And I, Either he's going to be someone's bitch, or he needs to be the head bitch. So, uh-huh. and they're in charge. Jail's a whole different thing. I, I actually read a report today that Bill Cosby doing really bad to take care of shit with a grain of salt, but uh-huh. yeah, I heard he's doing fine. Which I mean, again, jail you ha- you have to either adjust to the jail terms, or you're going to be eaten alive. Yeah. So, so um, generally, in cases of extreme public scrutiny, an artist's closest, closest companions and business partners, partners usually rally around them, shielding them from criticism and continuing to profit from their association. But in the case of the documentary, uh, 
did not did not go well for him because R. Kelly's own daughter made an Instagram post where she essentially called him a monster and reiterated that they had no relationship whatsoever. And his ex-girlfriend, um, Haley Calhoun, had also came out and she accused R. Kelly of abuse going back as recent as 2017. I mean, it's it's just like the hits keep coming. Yeah. Exactly, and it's just again an ongoing <clears throat> cycle of abuse. And what's what's scary is the amount of women he's doing it to, and the fact that they're all <clears throat> in the same mansion, but haven't united together. Somehow he's been able to keep them all separated and timid and physically scared. Mm-hmm. And. As detailed in the New York Times, Henry James Mason, a former manager of Kelly, was arrested on terroristic threat charges on January 18th. And what did he get caught for, you might ask? By threatening the family of one of R. Kelly's alleged victims. So not only was she allegedly abused by R. Kelly, she's now getting threats. Mason, according to the Times, was wanted on a warrant for terroristic threats and acts against Timothy Savage, whose daughter, Jocelyn, Jocelyn, who we spoke of earlier, is believed to be living with R. Kelly, as we are currently recording this. Savage actually told the police that after he tried to contact his daughter, Mason told him over the phone that he would do harm to Savage and his family and threaten to kill him. Mm, mm, mm. I would I would take the chance and say my daughter. I don't give a fuck. Yeah. It's either you kill me first or I'll kill you first because you took my daughter from me. Mm-hmm. And, and finally, I guess one of the biggest blows the, uh, that the come of R. Kelly is getting dropped by his um, music labels. Um, RCA and Sony. Uh, there was a um, campaign by uh, the Women's Rights Advocacy Group ultraviolet uh where they had got an airplane banner reading drop sexual predator r kelly to fly over sony music's uh offices and (laughs) that's impressive right after that um they cut ties uh with r kelly deleting his artist page from rca and sony's website now i have to mention that they signed him rca signed r kelly in 2012, well after initial details of the child pornography case have been common knowledge, but um, at least of as of this writing, he does not have a record label right now. But uh, again, why? But at RCA... this point, does he need one? He's so rich and wealthy as it is. Like, yeah, but I mean, one of the things is that you know, record companies are still, even though in, in this kind of. Uh, very uh, state of music where I guess independent uh, artists and independent music is all the rage, you know, record companies are still the, the be all end all, if you will. So, I mean, that again, if anything, is just like with the radio, just the symbol. Like, we are not going to endorse R. Kelly now. If it's one of those things that we actually, they, you know, they actually believe that they're not going to do it or they're just trying to save face, you know? Yeah. So, but 
Woo, that is, <laughs> that was a lot to unpack. Please, please, everybody who wants to comment on these podcasts, listen to the freaking episodes. We would love to talk about this with yeah. anybody and everybody. If you listen to the freaking episode. Yeah. So, um, there so, you guys, um, last thoughts on uh, R. Kelly. Um, we'll start with Jet. You still got you still got your jet man? Oh, there we I'm go. Back. There we go. I glitched. I glitched again. I'm back again. Yeah, you here. You here. Uh, all right. Uh, no, last thoughts. I mean, yeah, again, I I mean, as a father, I guess I just look at this uh, through a different lens than, than some of these other people. And then again, there are people out there with kids that I, I know they wouldn't allow this to happen to their kids, but at the same time, uh, they're still defending what's going on here. And, you know, that's yeah. First we can, uh, just in life, if you are going to have an opinion on something or uh, not even have an opinion, if you want to debate about something and, and defend something and, and something as heinous as this, uh, you have to have some solid facts at least supporting your argument as to why. And I can, you know, I can rock with it. You don't have to agree with me, but at, at least have, you know, solid points. You know what I mean? Exactly. And we're not all going to have the same opinion whatsoever, but be intelligent about it, yeah. please. Yeah. And uh, last thoughts on uh, R. Kelly killing? Um, there's, I just have so many mixed emotions and reviews on, on him as a person, on the enter. Entertainment, um, Hollywood, everything. It's just, it's frustrating to see the justice system not be able to help these women. It sucks seeing that everybody's okay with Hollywood treating these people like they're freaking animals when they're not. And the fact that it's 2018, 2019, and R. Kelly is still getting away with this, no one deserves to be put through what he's putting these women through, so. Yeah. And, yeah, and, and I guess... I'll oh, just, oh, I got one more thing, I got one more thing. Um, and women, if you're in an abusive relationship or mentally, physically, just please, please, please remember, you can always get out of it. You are stronger than you think. You're better than you, than you, than what this person is making you believe. You have so much potential in this world. Women, male, whoever's in this abusive relationship, get out and please be safe. People are here to protect you, but please don't, please don't hold on to something that's going to kill you. Yeah. And, um, that said, uh, you know, you can, um, if you do, uh, find yourself, you know, in a abusive situation or you are in a relationship that is abusive, whether it is emotional, uh, physical, sexual, financial, what have you, um, please contact the National Domestic Hotline, the National Domestic Violence Hotline. That's 1-800-799-7233. That is 1-800-799-7233. Or you can just go to the hotline.org. I mean, you can't uh, can't stress how you know serious and, and morbid just the state of uh, domestic violence and abuse you know really is. And I mean, those these stories that we 
have been talking about for the last hour and a half, and I mean, it's just very, it's gut-wrenching, it's just all these, you know, all these adjectives, it just cannot do justice to the actual abuse itself. Exactly, and that nobody should ever go through that cycle, no one should ever feel like they are less than who they are. Yeah. Well said, guys. I appreciate you having me on. I, I feel like at this point we're friends. I mean, we have to be. Right? Yes. So, have me on your show twice. Like, I've I been really on your show twice, that. so yeah, I absolutely. think we're 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 fifty fifty booking now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hey, you guys I loved it. I'm glad we're all friends. You both have to come on. You both have to come on sometime soon. We'll pick a great topic and we'll just go to town. Come to the jet and Mike. Yay! Oh, definitely. Definitely. You we'll know, it's make funny. it a play date. It, it, it's funny with all this podcast. Uh, I don't have a word. Uh, yeah, that, that. Oh, God. Uh, yeah, that would be. Well, A for effort, F for failure uh, on that one. Exactly. Yeah. Well, all this, this, this podcast uh, shenanigans going on, I have one with Mike that I have to do first thing in the morning. Like, so, like, and it's something that we're going to be talking about wrestling. So, it's like, I don't know if we're, like, cheating on you guys. Uh-uh. <laughs> Well, we are, but like, yeah, every, uh, it's all in the family. You, you are a little bit. Oh, boy, yes. <laughs> hey, we're down for it. Mike just went on a hiatus. Yeah, I know. Hey, hey, deal. talk to me. Talk to me, all right? We'll get it yes. done. We'll get it done soon, all right? Yeah, that sounds perfect. All right, again, uh, man, Jack, thank you so much, uh, especially on short notes. And before you go, let the good people know where they can find you on social media. You can find me on Facebook, Jet Lee, just Jet Lee. Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at RealJetLee underscore. All right, that is Jetman, Jetman, Jetman. The man is the voice of Springfield Radio, WBBR. Got to put that cheap plug on there. The man is oh out God, here. Thank you. As my boy Maggle would say, the hardest working man in Springfield. Again, thank you so much for taking the time and your busy schedule to join us little lads to talk about hey, this. Hey, man. Hey, I appreciate you guys again, Burton Camp. Much success to you guys here in the future. Great first season. I appreciate you guys from the bottom of my heart, man. We'll talk soon, all right? All right, We brother. love you. All right, see you guys. Love you guys. Peace. Bye. Love you too, brother. So, um, man, we have hit the 90-minute mark. And wow. That was a three-hour thing. That was a three-hour thing. Uh, yeah, it was a three-hour thing. And, and we still have to do some back, uh, we still have to do some uh, house cleaning on the end with two weeks from now, the season premiere, because this is like the preseason. Um, prequel before the sequel. The pre- there we go. <laughs> so quick-witted with the shits. Um, two in uh, two again, two weeks on February 14th. Some people will call it Valentine's Day, I will call it the 90th anniversary of the St. Valentine's Day massacre. And <laughs> like, I, how can we have a show called Kelanoi and not cover Al Capone? Uh, I, I think Gosh. that's like sacrilege, you know, and um. You know, I'm very, very, very excited what we can do, you know, in season two. Like, we're really going to open things up, you know, as we saw with uh, R. Kelly. It's not going to be just per se um, killings in Illinois, even though that will be our bread and butter. But we're really going to just expand this to just 
true crime in Illinois, true crime in the Midwest, true crime fucking everywhere. You know? Exactly. We're excited. We're going to be doing some traveling. Um, as you heard, we're going to be hooking up with Jet and Mike. Um, we're going to have a good time doing this. This is fun. I'm excited. I'm excited to see where our um, future goes. And it's it's really awesome to see now that our R. Kelly episode, I think thanks to our awesome season finale of last year, we were getting a good about 2,000 people per episode now. Yeah. Knock on wood. So, yeah, that's great. Like, and, that, and, that, and that's the funny thing about, and I guess, you know, we, we I don't know, keep it up, but we might as well say it on the open. It's the funny thing about Kellanoid is it's the show that we didn't have, about the murder that didn't happen in Kellanoid, Illinois, that this blew up. And it's just like, wow. And it was kind Ooh. of like a pet project in a way because, you know, I was a, you know, a, I am a big wrestling fan, and this is something that really was just a big moment in my childhood, you know, one of my childhood heroes, you know, did something so, you know, unforgivable, and, you know, I was glad to, you know, kind of, you know, really, you know, talk about this, and it's, you know, and it's not just like, it's kind of like a microcosm of, you know, what this podcast is, it's not just, hey, you know, we're just out here, and we're just talking our shit, like, this is something that we... You know, true crime. This is something we fucking live for. Love. Yeah? Yeah, we love, we cover, we love talking about it. We could go on and on and on about it. Yeah, and that's the crazy thing. Like, we, we've been friends for all, all this time, right? And it wasn't until just, like, not even less than a year ago. You watch true crime? Fuck out of here, investigation discovery? And this is how this podcast started. So, um, we will be back, uh, two weeks from now, uh, but before we go, uh, Cam, we want to hit the good people with, uh... Well, if you guys can find Bird and Jet on Facebook, you'll find me, um, uh, but you guys can hit me up on Instagram, I am Instacam630, and then you can find me on Twitter at ilikestuff630. And you can find me, Birdman Iceberg, on Facebook with... Birdman, oh no, change that, just watch that. Find me on Facebook under Birdman Iceberg. You can find me on Twitter, Birdman for America. And you can find me on Instagram, Bird underscore your underscore enthusiasm. I was trying to find a song to kind of like close it out. And I was looking for it. I couldn't, I forgot the fucking name of it. So Jesus, 1130, I'm just like, okay, okay. My eyes are getting heavy and shit. Like, it's past our bedtime. It's past my bedtime. Like, yeah. Oh, boy. But, man, um, you know, I just, I, I can't, again, I just can't wait to see what we're going to do for season two. Like, I know we're going to sign up, but, I'm I mean, excited. we don't even have, like, a, just a sheet. It's like, okay, whatever murders, whatever just comes to our heads, like, want to do this? Fuck yeah. So, Let's I mean. We're excited. Big things. Big things are going to happen for us. And I'm excited. And I'm excited you guys are here with us on this whole brigade. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, couldn't say it better than I. Uh, so that said, guys, um, we'll catch your asses down the road. And Peace out, Girl Scouts. Killinois, be there. Or, or be killed, bitches. Exactly. <laughs>